Alrighty, welcome to the Celtics Lab Podcast. I am your host, Cameron Tuffetsbein. I'm joined by Alex Goldberg and Dr. Justin Quinn. We're going to flip the script today. We're going to hop right into the Celtics Lab. And later, we will get into the news. We'll talk about Kevin Durant. We'll talk about the Seattle Pro-Am and all that uh, wonderful stuff. But instead, we are going to chart as many former Celtics, I think, as we can. And where are they now? And to do that, we bring in Celtics superfan and our friend, Honest Larry, a.k.a. Josh. Honest hey. Larry, a.k.a. Josh, how are you? Great. Well, thanks for having me. Yeah. Um, so fans of the podcast will know uh, you were on, uh, I guess, a few months ago now at this point. Um, yeah, the so. Kevin Garnett, the Kevin Garnett number retirement. Yep. Right. Um, so uh, anyone listening probably knows you best as Honest Larry on Twitter. Yep. Um, historian, super, superb of uh, sports birthdays and everything else. Um, <laughs> So no better person than to uh, flush out. I think, Justin, this was your idea. Um, so what we're going to do is we're going to, in quick succession, although we'll take a few walks, kind of break down where former Celtics of really many different descriptions, uh, where they are right now. So we can start with um, former Boston Celtics players who are now coaching. And we're going to start with um, one of my favorites, but uh, Josh, you get to talk about him. Ricky Davis is coaching high school hoops in uh, northern Minnesota or north Minnesota. Um, Josh, favorite, best, worst, random uh, Ricky Davis tirade in memory. Well, it's unbelievable to me, first of all, that he's coaching high school basketball. Yeah. <laughs> he's molding the hearts and minds of these kids, right? Uh, well, as for the Celtics memory, I think it's everybody's the missed dunk when he went through the legs against the Lakers, yep. right? Tommy hated that more than anybody here. But yeah, I think that's the memory I have. When I think of Ricky Davis, that's the first thing that comes to my mind is the missed dunk um, against the Lakers when he tried to go through his legs um, and it just embarrassed himself a little bit. Was he on the Celtics when he did the self-miss rebound to get to a no. triple-double? That was a different No, team. he was on the Cavs. But that's <laughs> so he was on the Cavaliers, and Deshaun Stevenson did not like it. <laughs> he I, can, I can imagine. <laughs> but they were up a million when he did it, too. Now, just to put that in perspective, right, Larry Bird um, against the Jazz was going on a quadruple-double. Had nine – everything, but and he had nine steals, Right. And he goes to the bench and they ask him afterwards, you know, why Larry, why didn't you, he goes, haven't I done enough damage? <laughs> so, so, so that's a different in mindset. And, and to me, so that's why I'm confused on why, uh, it, why he's going to be coaching high school basketball. And the guy he replaced is a legend. He's won four straight titles. The only guy in, in Minnesota to do it. He's, He's in the Minnesota Coaching Hall of Fame. He even literally won Father of the Year. <laughs> literally. And this is a guy, I, I, I hope it works out. I mean, I, I remember when he was with the G League team, they said he turned himself around. And so maybe he did. Yeah, I, I remember when he was traded to the Celtics and being super pumped about it. But um, obviously that didn't quite pan out the way we hoped it would. But um, it was pretty good. No, I love, I love the Rich Davis experience. Athlete. He was a super athlete. Remember what he did? Remember what he did against Steve Nash when he dunked on him? Yeah. So, so, I mean, he was very athletic. All right, so let's keep it moving. There's a few other um, former Celtics who are now coaching, and one of them is Phil Pressey, who's now uh, coaching as an assistant at Missouri. And, Josh, you're still on the clock. You get the Phil Pressey, Pressey um, good story, bad story, or anything in between. Well, it's just not surprising to me that he's uh, that he's coaching. I mean, he was a team guy. He was a leader. He was a defender. He worked hard every day in practice. I don't think there was anyone on the Celtics coaching staff or players that did not like him, right? Mm-hmm. He was 5'11". <laughs> I, there was a period of my life where I was strongly in the Phil Pressey will be our long-term answer at backup point guard camp. That was not the case, but I still like Phil Pressey. He had some good games in it for a season. Yeah. A 5'11", undrafted, you know, free agent signee hung around for a couple of years. I mean, that, that's pretty good. Yeah, and I think you're right. I think he's the type of player that you would want to turn into a coach. So, And his father was a professional player. I mean, his, his father was, was a great player. I mean, he wasn't ever an all-star, but on those Bucks teams, 
Mm-hmm. That, that one of the most underrated teams for the NBA because they had to go against the Celtics every year or the Pistons or the, right. But he locked down Jordan in those early years when Jordan was young. But he locked him down in those playoffs. It's, no, not, no, it's no surprise to me that he's going to be a professional. He's going to be a coach. At, you know, how tall was his dad? That I don't know. But he was a super wing defender. Like before we even heard the the term wing defender, right? <laughs> And he was an assist guy. He could fill it up if he had to. He was, I think he was 6'4". I, I don't know. I, I'm, taller than 5'11". Taller than 5'11". All right. Um, his, well, his, his mother was probably short. Yeah, or maybe it skips a generation. <laughs> okay, we got more former Celtics who are turning into coaches or continuing to be coaches. Jason Terry is an assistant coach with the Jazz. Dr. Quinn, good memory, bad memory, the memory, whatever it is of Jason Terry. Uh, besides him making fun of my workout routine with his new workout app partnership, uh, when I got to interview him last year, uh, I think in the same interview, he told me about how uh, Kevin Garnett almost blew up the Nets trade that sent him and Pierce uh, and a couple other guys uh, who I won't mention uh, to the Nets uh, just because of the fact that that the jet was not included originally in that deal. And his loyalty was, was so fierce that he actually was willing to completely tank the entire Boston Celtics current rebuild uh, for something as simple as that. Wow. I didn't know that. I knew that Pierce had to convince him on the phone. I didn't know the, the Jason Terry thing. Um, yeah. I mean, Jason Terry was as loyal as they come. It's a shame that he and his tattoo couldn't get over the hill, but um, I mean, he won with Dallas. That was nice. Okay. I will say one thing. Eddie Howe should have got more minutes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would have been fun. Then Jason Terry. But I love Jason Terry, too. You know, he should actually be on this list, too, because he's coming to uh, NBC Boston Sports as a broadcaster, but we don't have a broadcaster category. So, oops. Add him, Scal, Perk. I'm sure there's a few others out there. Okay, so but we will keep it in the coaching category, and not everyone's going to get a little anecdote, including Keon Dooling, who – is a assistant player development coach with the Jazz, and that's all we're gonna say about that. Um, but Evan Turner, most I recently, may. was an assistant with the Boston Celtics. I don't think he is currently a coach, but good enough. He's, he is not currently a coach, but um, there, I think there's a decent chance that he could be a coach again in the relatively near future. It's not like he did a terrible job as a Celtics assistant. I thought he was, you know, pretty, part of a winning popular, team. Yeah. Pretty popular with Jason Tatum and others. No, I think uh, Evan Turner, I'm glad to see that he's made the transition into coaching. The big thing that Evan Turner has made the transition into is podcasting, but um, it seems like he's always going to be a well-liked figure in the NBA. And I think it's one of those deals where if he wants to get into coaching again, I think he probably could. Um, my favorite Evan Turner memory is really a collection of memories. You know, a lot of people talk about Isaiah Thomas as like the guy who restored the Celtics pride after the Kevin Garnett trade. And I think a lot of that is true, but Isaiah Thomas, before Isaiah Thomas restored the Celtics pride, Evan Turner restored some basic level of human decency to what was an incredibly unwatchable basketball team for a minute. And he had a couple of game winners, most notably against Philly and Atlanta. He was a fun part of their kind of late playoff push, even though they were never a serious threat. I just really enjoyed Evan Turner's time in green as a whole. I mean, who didn't? Honestly, this is so unfair, but he has such a unique voice. I feel like that would make him a good coach because you would always hear his voice on the sideline. Um, yeah. Evan Turner, always welcome on this podcast. Just say the word. Okay. That's it. As far as best we can tell, tell us where we're wrong um, in terms of Celtics who are coaching currently. There's a few former Celtics who are uh, employed in the NBA still. Ball Ball technically was a member of the Boston Celtics by way of trade last year. Never played with the team, though. He re-signed with Orlando. Poncho Hernan Gomez, we hardly knew yet. Uh, he's with Toronto. Good luck to you. Moses Brown, uh, who played briefly with the Celtics or was on the Celtics briefly. Um, he has a camp deal with the Clippers. Theo Pinson, who played with the main Celtics, not Red Claws. Um, he resigned with the Mavs. And Austin Rivers was traded to the Celtics back in 2015. He never played with the Celtics, and he's resigning with the Timberwolves. I chose to talk about him because I want to say two things. First, uh, if they move D'Angelo Russell, he could get a lot of playing time. And even still, he could get a lot of playing time. That Wolves team isn't particularly deep. 
Um, I always thought that Austin Rivers was a bit of a heel, but I think he's a good player, so I'm excited for him. I also think that era deserves a shout out. That was that ha- happened to be when I was uh, covering the game in person, and in short order, just like so many faces came through the Celtics locker room: Tayshawn Prince, Jameer Nelson, Austin Rivers. It was such a who's who of Brad Stevens just shuffling the deck, um, and or not Brad Stevens, uh, uh, Danny Ainge shuffling the deck. Poor Brad Stevens had to figure it out. Um, and so Austin Rivers felt like the the pinnacle of that. I, he, I don't even know if he visited the Garden. I mean, he was on the team for a little more than a cup of coffee, but I don't think he played for the Celtics. I don't know that Three they printed. Days. Yeah. Yeah, so it wasn't like a transactional thing. It was like a little more than that window, not the Rashid Wallace. Although that was two days. I don't know. Um, in any event, that era of GMing from the Celtics was uh, very special, we can say. Just to be clear also, like, of course, there are some other Celtics, former Celtics who are still in the NBA and active, like Isaiah Thomas is still playing for the Hornets. Kelly Olenek is a backup on the Pistons. We, we, there's a ton of former players that are still running around. We chose for this section to pick out just some ones that you may have forgotten about. Oh, Isaiah Thomas. Is Isaiah Thomas under contract? Not yet, but I think there's mutual interest in having him come back. I wouldn't be surprised if he's there. I would love to have him come back to the Celtics. I'm sure I'm not alone. I just love that team. Yeah, I I don't know if Pritchard is going to get minutes, so I don't know if someone roughly Pritchard's height would get minutes, but uh, I like emotionally, I really like it. All right, there's a ton of guys playing abroad, but I'm going to pause the action first and talk about our friends over at betonline.ag, the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first-to-market odds and lines. You can find reviews of news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. BetOnline continues to be the top online resource for all of your sports information from live in-game betting, props, and futures. Head to bet online today or use your mobile device to join and use our promo code CLNS50. They'll receive a 50% welcome, bo- uh, welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online where the game starts. All right. So, in the category of Boston Celtics players who are playing abroad, there are many. And boy, oh boy, is this going to put me through the pronunciation ringer? Bear with me. Vander Blue of 2014 Celtics fame. Uh, he plays for the Libertadores de Querétaro um, and La Liga, uh, Vitor Favarani. Oh, I think I, I, think well, I had nailed it. it. Nailed it. I thought it was no. I thought it was Favarelli in my head. Best dressed Celtic, Vitor. <laughs> oh, oh, that's fun. I wonder who the answer is now. I think Jason Tatum tries too hard. <laughs> but maybe as a stylist, and it's not up to him. I don't know. It's smart. smart. <laughs> it was a good answer. Okay. Oh, and sometimes it's Grant. Grant puts together cute little outfits. Anyways, <laughs> Vitor's playing in Brazil for the Regatas do Flamengo and uh, Series A, the Brazil League, I don't know what it's called. Um, Marcus Georges Hunt, that's a throwback. I haven't thought about that name in a while. Also playing overseas, uh, overseas I'm using air quotes, in Puerto Rico. Is that right? Um, for the, the host the, de Goyama. The, oh, just so you we, know, Puerto Rico's not overseas. Yeah, you have to fly. They have a national history teacher cam. They have a national team. I used an air quote. I, I, um, Justin, is that the witches? Cool mascot. Cool mascot. Okay, Lucas. Yeah, yeah. From Salem down to Puerto Rico, Um, Lucas Nagara, who it sort of was a member of the Celtics organization, was drafted by the Celtics. He's playing in Canada for the Gulf Nighthawks. Are you, just making, are you just making things up, Justin? I mean, I'd love if I was actually this creative, but no. Yeah, and Jordan, Jordan Crawford is playing for the Higantes de Carolina in the International Forum of Puerto Rico. And um, just fun fact, Phil Presti took over for Jordan Crawford as a starting court guy for the Celtics. That's true. That was also a fun era of figuring yeah. out the backcourt. I mean, even when they brought in Isaiah Thomas, it wasn't clear that that was the next great point guard. I mean, I think it was just... I don't even think of him as a point guard, really. I mean, he's a scorer. Yeah, fair. 
Um, okay, Alex, you wanted to talk about Jordan Crawford? Yeah, I just want to give a quick shout out to my man Jordan Crawford for uh, one of the most random player of the week awards that has ever been won by an NBA player. There was like a solid three week stretch where Brad Stevens proved that he was one of the elite basketball coaches in the league in his first year by taking career journeyman and kind of just guy Jordan Crawford and turning him into a three week all star, which was an incredibly hilarious era of Celtics basketball in a time when Rondo was not playing. And so we had literally no point guard play at all, except for Jordan Crawford and like rookie Marcus Smart. I just remember that being a very fun, random period in what was an otherwise incredibly dark time to be a Celtics fan. Yeah, it was December too. It was like the season was getting real. Yeah. So really needed that win. All right. Over to Asia, Cody Clark plays for Nagoya Diamond Dolphins in Japan. Yantan Matten, uh, man, we're digging deep. I've never even heard of this person. He's a 2019 <laughs> camp invitee, played for the, the team formerly known as the Red Claws. He I plays... never heard of him either, but I wished him a happy birthday the other day. I think it was like a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're relentless with the birthday stuff. Hey, my birthday's um, a week from today, so oh, I'm sure you got something teed up. Yeah, I got it. Exactly. <laughs> uh, so our guy, Yantan Maten, I hope I'm saying that right, plays for Sanen Neo Phoenix in Japan. Taco Fall just signed with the Xinjiang Flying Tigers. And Jared Sullinger uh, is going to play for the Shenzhen Aviators, which he's been in China for a while, right, Justin? Uh, Jared, I haven't not really been following his career. I think he's been there mostly, for like, but yeah. yeah, I think the last three or four years at least. Yeah. Um, oh, oh, sorry. That was Alex. Was supposed to... <laughs> it's all good. I'm down to talk more about Jared Selinger just briefly and why I chose him for one of my selections, which is that, you know, Jared Selinger, I think in what was a pretty meh draft class for the Boston Celtics, Jared, Jared Selinger stood out as at the very least a playable NBA player. Um, it's really tough to fill the shoes as the starting power forward after Kevin Garnett. And I think despite, you know, never making an all-star team and never really being like a super high impact guy, I will always give some credit to Jared Selinger for stepping into those shoes and playing capably at the very least. You know, that's, that's not an easy thing to do. He managed to power through a pretty serious back injury that he sustained from this time at Ohio state, where at one point people thought he was like a locked in top three or four prospect in the NBA draft. He managed to make a decent enough career out of it, played a couple of years in the league, made some money, played for a couple of teams and was even in a couple of playoff games that, you know, ultimately didn't go the Celtics way, but he was in them. He was there and he started shout out Jared Sellinger. You made a career out of the NBA. Good for you, man. Yeah, yeah, that was an interesting era for the Boston Celtics. Um, down in Australia, in Brisbane, you can find Aaron Baines playing professional basketball. He flirted with returning to the NBA after his pretty scary injury, but it looks like he's going to be playing in Brizzy. Dr. Quinn, tell us about Baines. So I really do hope that he has a clause in that, that deal to come back to the NBA anytime if he wants to. Uh, and oh. if the, the big man situation doesn't work out, but he does look like he's doing well down there, uh, I would really love to see him return because I know how much he loves the Celtics because he told me. When I was mm -hmm. speaking to him here at the last Mexico City Games in 2019, right before the pandemic, uh, he was with the Phoenix Suns visiting and I arranged to have him come over and speak with me. And he really didn't look like he wanted to talk to anyone. It looked like he was just waiting to get rid of me until I told him about the fact that I covered the Celtics here in Mexico City. And by the end of the interview, uh, his handlers had to pry him away from the interview because he uh -huh. wanted to keep talking about the Celtics. Uh, he really, really appreciated his time there, uh, what Brad did with him and how he helped develop him as a shooter, uh, kind of breathing new life into his career. So uh, I'm really hoping we do get another chance to look at him. How great would a healthy Aaron Baines have been in this postseason? Yeah. I mean, with respect to Daniel Tice, that well, would have been, been better. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Okay. Let's move to Europe and the Near East, we can call it. Kadeem Allen was the first two-way player for the Celtics. 
Wow, that's, that's fun trivia. I like that. Um, he's playing for, oh my goodness, Hopoel Haifa in Israel. Did I get that? Hopoel, I think. Oh, I was way off. This is torture for me. Um, another what one. What Johnny Moe's doing, the Eastern European player. Yeah. And I have a Kruger hazy sounding last name. You would think I had gotten good at this. But um, Juan Bagarin, the French kid, um, he plays for Paris Basket and um, the Pro A League in, in, Europe, in uh, France. Thank you. Ben Bentel, the 51st pick, 2016. Really hardly knew he, he's playing in Belgrade for Red Star and the Serbian team and uh, Euro League. And then continuing with Europe, Luigi de Tome, uh, Italy's maybe second finest, which I want to talk about, plays for Olympia Milano and wait for it, Milan. Uh, I, I better be right about that. Anyways, I was on a Timberwolves podcast yesterday and they were asking about uh, who's the, the Scalabrini of this era, who's kind of like the meme of player. And top to bottom, the Celtics rotation is so good that I don't think there's like any joke on this team. I think everyone is serious. And like with respect to Luigi Dottome, who had his moments in the NBA, when he checked in, it was triumph from, you know, the uh, Italian diaspora in Boston. I mean, it just was way bigger of an event than probably it was in terms of X's and O's. And I'm so excited to see Gallinari I hope he just lives in the North end, um, not to pigeonhole people <laughs> with their ethnic enclaves. We don't, we haven't done that in like a hundred years. Um, don't make me go hang out with them. the name of the team is the Celtics Kim. I think you're okay. Yeah. <laughs> thanks very much. Um, but anyways, I just, Luigi to tell me it was such a moment. Uh, and again, I don't mean to take the Italian stallion and imply that all he is is Italian, but this is Boston. So um, I'm, I'm kind of curious. Is Grant Williams the closest thing to Scalabrini? I was thinking about it as you were saying it. Yeah, maybe. No. Um, yeah, he's got that no. personality. Grant's like way dog. better than Scalabrini, yeah, guys. The yes, like, like, oh, yeah, yeah. The There's player. no one on the – I mean, like, who are you going to point out at this point, really? I mean, like, Sam Hauser is maybe the closest. Cornette is the But just like phenotypically. Like, I don't even know who Sam Hauser is. I could, <laughs> if he came in right now to my room with the I'm Sam Hauser T-shirt, maybe I then, would yeah. Sam. The obvious answer here is Luke Cornett, folks. I'm just going to leave it at that. <laughs> Maybe. All right, we got to keep it moving. Um, Zoran Dragic, technically a member of Boston Celtics for a time, is playing in Slovenia for Serevita Olympia uh, in Slovenia. Jarrell Eddy, I think Justice is making up names. <laughs> remember the Celtics in 2018. What was that basketball game where they had all these like, oh God, I can't remember. It was like, a, it was an early Nintendo basketball game. They just had a lot of those ridiculous names, but I digress. Yeah, he just made it up. Um, he plays for, he plays in Turkey for Konyaspor. And then Larry, you're going to talk about Carson Edwards, who's also playing in Turkey for uh, Fenerbahce. I don't know. <laughs> I, I think he'll be back. He's one guy I think will be back. This guy was a bucket. This is yeah. no, we remember him in the beginning when he was with Purdue in that tournament where he was just filling it up, filling it up, right? And that Virginia game where he just went nuts. And that's when he came, I think, and everybody, oh, who's this guy? He had, like, thighs like Earl Campbell. Yep. <laughs> but he could, like, uh, you know, uh, my name's Carson Edwards, and I make buckets. That's who he was. And then we saw him in that preseason game, and he did it again. And everybody, including, we're like, this is the guy. He's going to be off the bench and just fill up. And it, it never worked out. You but just you I, have to be able to play defense. And Carson yeah, a little too really, small. really, really struggled on that end. So maybe that's what happens in Europe. Do you know what I mean? And then he comes yeah. back. Well, the stints, I, I, the stints in Europe are like 15 minutes apiece, and his big problem was he could not find a role with the Celtics even that big. So, like, if he is a star player there and he gets 15 minutes a game and he becomes comfortable with that because he kind of needed a longer runway like he had in college, if that ends up happening, I, I could see him making it back to the league. His last year in the G League, he led it in scoring. So, I mean, the guy, that's what he does. So maybe, mm -hmm. but like, like Alex was saying, he gets to, the, to Turkey and he can play some defense and – Find his niche, like I think he's a guy that'll be back. Yeah, it may be a little too short, but I agree. I mean, it's just like a lot of raw talent. Yeah. All right, keeping it moving. Semi Erdin, also playing um, in Turkey for Turk Telecom. Checks out. John Holland, 
Oh man, that's a throwback. He's playing for Red Star Belgrade in Serbia. Uh, Juan Johnson is playing for Gravelines Dunkirk. Who is that French? It's not French to me. Dunkirk. It's it's French for Dunkirk. Oh, it does French. They're so <laughs> tricky. Okay. Um, Maritimers. Larry, what do you want to say about Juan Johnson? Well, the reason I picked him was because he's a guy that I thought was going to be a superstar that wasn't. Right. Yeah. It was like Ron Mercer, Kedrick Brown, Troy Bell, Gerald Green. Gerald Green was probably the best of that bunch. But a guy that who had all was an athlete that that I thought thought was really good. I mean, he was Big Ten Player of the Year when Solinger was there. He was Big Ten Defensive Player of the Year. I mean, he wasn't nobody. He reminded me of Tony Bettine. I really thought he was going to be a superstar. And again, it's tough to be one of the that's 450 players in the, in the world. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And he's not one of them, but he made a career in Europe. Um, he won a championship with, our, you know, the pride of Framingham, David Blatt. <laughs> so, you know, he's a guy that, you know, he, I think that's his niche. He's not coming. <laughs> he's, not no, like he's, not coming back. he's not coming back, but he's probably making a pretty good career over there. Yeah. And to your point, I mean, being, between 550 and 450 in the world, nothing to sneeze at. It just means that sometimes you have to play for a team that I can't pronounce. But I, th- <laughs> I thought he was going to be a superstar. I really did. But I, I was wrong. <laughs> I mean, we'll get to some guys on the list that I think we all were really high on that either circumstance or, or what have you. They're not playing in the NBA this year. Okay. Spe- uh, speaking of which, Shane Larkin, who did play for the, he plays for oh, Anadolu Efes is my guess. I have no idea. Do you speak French? That was beautiful. That was that's Turkish. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I'm, hey, I, I, I didn't speak Turkish. <laughs> neither, I, not even a little bit. Um, okay, tell us about uh, Shane Larkin. So he's another guy who's not coming back. He actually has come out and said uh, he's never coming back to the NBA to play third guard again. And for good reason, he's currently in the modern era, the EuroLeague's highest scorer. Uh, he won back-to-back EuroLeague titles. He is tearing up. He is a, the biggest star in the EuroLeague right now. And hopefully uh, that is going to be the model uh, for Carson Edwards. Uh, I don't necessarily think that he's got quite the same level of skill in his bag as Shane does, but Shane, incidentally, his great grandfather comes from Turkey and he's now a Turkish national and is doing quite well there. Oh, okay. Pedro struck out his father in the all-star game. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That all comes back to Pedro. Yes. (laughs) Man, I, I, Justin, I like that take because I like the idea of, either the Australian league or the European league or, or wherever being an alternative for either kids who don't want to go to college or development um, with respect to the G league. Um, Yamadar is playing for partisan NAS a Serbian team. I thought he was playing in Israel. Well, he's playing for the Israel Israeli national team right now in the Europe, Europe basket. I always call it Euro cup, Euro basket, uh, which is basically just the European FIBA qualifiers for the world cup. Mm-hmm. And he's doing pretty good. He's looking better. Uh, he's still got stuff to work on. Uh, the reason I wanted to talk about him is because I've probably been the biggest cheerleader out there for him. I do think that he has uh, what it takes to be at least a third string guard in the NBA for some time. Uh, and I really enjoyed the, the the level of effort he put into his one summer league performance. And it's a real shame that we ended up signing. No offense to Dennis Schroeder, because I do think he's a good player. It was just a terrible fit for Boston. And it really mm-hmm. kind of like made it impossible for him to make the leap that season. So keep trying. Yum. I think you're going to make it if you, if you come back after this season. Thing with Jan is he needs to get an NBA ready body before he's yeah, able to actually make the league. Right now, he is just a little too wiry to actually like he would get pushed around by an NBA level guard pretty easily. So he's got to fill out a little more. I think I'm a little higher on Yam than you guys. I I, I think he's going to be here. I do. I think he's going to be all right. I mean, he's so young. To Alex, to your point, it, he'll just like naturally fill out probably. Yeah, it's true. He's being featured by Partizan, too, which has had a good record of, of putting players into the NBA when they do that. So, fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah Josh, I think we, we all like Yam on this podcast, but I think higher than consensus, uh, us four. So, we'll see. Is that Mookie barking, your dog? Yeah, that's Mook. 
Nobody, <laughs> girlfriend's walking by. Mm. <laughs> Cute. Okay, a couple more for me. I'm going to unfortunately have to dip a little early, it looks like. But Jordan Mickey is playing for uh, hey, that's mine. Bologna uh, in Italy. Jordan Mickey, my guy. Um, really quick on Jordan Mickey. The reason I chose him is because I thought for a good minute that Jordan Mickey was going to be what Robert Williams ended up becoming. I was so unbelievably high on this guy with his giant arms. Uh, and he never quite figured out playing NBA big man defense, but he was still a pretty ferocious shot blocker in limited minutes. I'm always going to respect Jordan Mickey, even if he didn't become the guy that I thought he was going to be. Cool. And it looks like his teammate is going to be none other than Semi Ojale, who uh, I love Semi very much. I understand why he doesn't play in the NBA right now. Um, really fun to root for him. I hope all the best for him. And I think it's worth noting the average NBA career is between, depending on your position, three and six years. Justin, I will admit to you on air that the centers fare longer in the NBA than do shorter players. Um, no reason that I bring that up. Uh, anyways, <laughs> um, this is, yeah, we're just cataloging where people are at and to play even a moment of G League or Summer League or sniff the NBA means that you are the 0.001% of people who have ever picked up a basketball. So with Semi, of course, you know, we like to poke fun that they kind of fell out of the rotation and then fell out of the box rotation and whatnot. Um, but playing professional basketball of any consequences Pretty damn big deal. And um, the bow and arrow dap is the best dap I've ever Yeah. <laughs> I think we could agree with that. Um, so we have a few more names on the list. I'm going to hand off the reins because I have some stuff that maybe I'll post about on social later to attend to. I'll just say, again, apologies to anyone if I offended with my inability to pronounce people's names. I am an audio learner. And I, again, I have a weird last name. I'm a history teacher and I still... <laughs> <laughs> just slipped on a banana peel for 30 minutes. So uh, apologies if that was offensive to anyone. No offense intended, of course. Uh, Josh, I'll catch you later. Alex, Justin, I'll catch you all later. And everyone, the podcast continues unabated. I'm just going to leave with the magic of editing. Thanks for everything, Cam. See you, Cam. All right. So I'm going to pick up as the QB with Cam heading out. Um, Next up on the list, we've got our old friend Tremont Waters, who played for the Celtics from 2019 to 2021. He is uh, currently a member of the Metropolitans 92, which is Pro-A. Is that France? Yeah, that seems right. Um, Tremont Waters, fun guy, you know, very small. I think that probably hurt his chances of making the league. But overall, you know, he he had a couple of nice stretches in there as an occasional main call-up. and then we moved, the Tremont yeah. and Taco thing reminded me of the Minute and um, Muggsy. Muggsy, yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's yeah. all I can think of when I think of Tremont is that those two. The Minute, and Muggsy, <laughs> Minute and Muggsy of the main Celtics, Tremont Waters <laughs> and Taco Fall. Um, moving on, we have, of course, Bill Simmons' favorite uh, former Celtic, James Young, who played for the Celtics from 2014 <laughs> to 2017. Uh, is currently in Hapoel Tel Aviv, the Israeli Premier League. Any thoughts on James Young, fellas? Surprised he did not pan out. He had the body. He tore up the G League, but he could just never make the next level. A lot of people imply it was relative to the level of effort he put into his game once he got there. I don't know if that's true, but if it is, it's a shame because he was a pretty dang good player. I blame Rick Pitino. Mm. Yeah. Why not? Sensible. Let's just do it. <laughs> the thing that always struck me about Young is that he was billed as a good shooter uh, when he came into the league, and he just never really got any sort of rhythm as a catch-and-shoot guy. You know, I think there were spurts where he would get a couple buckets here and there, but they planned on using him as a significant shooter, and it just never seemed like it panned out. I'm not uh, a draft Nick by any stretch, but I, I never like. He was a guy I never was really – he never clicked with me. Like I, I never thought this was the guy. I'm prejudiced against Kentucky guys as a UConn fan, but they do tend to churn out the uh, the NBA players. So yeah, got Marcus Smart out of that draft, so it's not the end of the world. Um, right. Moving on next, we have Ante Zizic, 16th pick, who was pretty notable on the Celtics in that he was traded to Cleveland for Kyrie Irving. That was really about it. Um, he's currently. Can I say one thing quickly. I know we don't. I don't want to go on a Kyrie. Yeah, no, fan. go for it. 
I was so psyched when we got him. Oh yeah, dude. <laughs> and even the first game, like he, I, I, I liken him to to Roger. I I wanted him, I wanted to love him so much. That's why I hate him so much now. Like I, I thought he was a guy. I thought he was going to take us there. I, I that trade, I was a hundred percent behind. Oh yeah, I I mean I think listen. I, I'm not sure that I have as much of a beef with Kyrie Irving as many Celtics fans do, but he was spectacular to watch both on this team and, you know, to this day, like when he is on the court, which seems to be only occasionally now, uh, he's still... Yeah, his cousins aren't having a birthday party. Right. <laughs> he's still absolutely mesmerizing. I mean, just the sheer aesthetic beauty of his game is really something oh, to it's behold. Gorgeous. It's gorgeous. Yeah, but, but I I can't imagine being his teammate. Yeah, well, if you want I'm more sorry. Nets, if you I know, want I'm more, sorry, 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 it's okay. <laughs> if you want more Kyrie Irving content, head over to our friends. I can rant all day. Check out, check check them out. Anyway, Ante, who was traded for Kyrie Irving, is currently in Anadolu Efes, which is a BSL Euro League. I think that's the Turkish league. Yeah, um, and he's there, you know, doing Ante's such things. One would assume. And now we come to my uh, final pick for players that I wanted to talk a little bit more about on European teams. The man, the myth, the legend, Jonas Yurebko, who played for the Celtics from 2015 to 2017. He's currently in Moscow uh, and I would assume doing, you know, Jonas Yurebko things. The reason I bring up Jonas is because I actually think he would be a weirdly good fit for the current Celtics roster as a stretch four, three and D guy who one thing I, I like about Jonas, he's got some nasty to him. He was able to kind of mix it up and get into some scraps with, you know, your Kendrick Perkins and other kind of so-called tough guys in uh, various other teams like Jonas would throw down. And I, that was something that really struck me. When the Celtics traded for him, you know, they, they brought him in and I was thinking like, okay, this, this is just a guy, you know, he'll get some backup run by Kelly Olenek. But, you know, he came into the playoffs and he started fighting dudes, getting bloody noses. I was super into Yurebko and I, you know, he would ultimately go on to back up uh, in Golden State and get two rings out of that. Not a bad career decision. I'm just saying, if Jurebko wants to come back and, you know, be the 14th man on this Celtics team, I'm not going to say no. No, I'm with you on that 100%. I love Jonas. Jonas. Yeah. The uh, defense guy. is kind of cooked, but I mean, if you're the 14th man, who cares? Exactly. The defense might yeah. be cooked, but you know what Jonas will do is he will burn all six of those fouls in a way that I really appreciate. <laughs> and bang down threes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, a couple other guys. So we've now gone through the list of for the most part, players who are still former Celtics who are still active as players abroad. There's a few more former Celtics that are kicking around out there that are unsigned, but still have a good shot to make it back into the league. Of course, we got to talk about Isaiah Thomas here, who was last seen backing up LaMelo Ball on the Charlotte Hornets spring. We brought him up earlier in the pod, and I do think there is some mutual interest between Isaiah and the Hornets uh, in having him return as a backup. Uh, it seems like he made a pretty good impression in their locker room as, you know, a team first energy guy off the bench. Uh, I think the players there really like him. And I get the sense that he would be willing to come back in a kind of on the floor coach slash mentor role. So if that's happening, which I think there's a reasonable possibility, I would love to see it. Thoughts on Isaiah? If there is any fence mending that needs to be like happening relative to Isaiah Thomas and the general manager who traded him away. I can think of a team where he would easily fit on and be a great mentor. Uh, mm. I'm obviously talking about the Utah jazz. They will probably be having some open roster spots. Uh, he probably isn't going to be, as you noted earlier, uh, going to be a good fit for the Celtics just because of the, the guard depth already. But that would be a nice little olive branch to put all that business to rest. Uh, and I think it would be good for the Jazz, particularly if they have younger players on the roster, as they likely will, uh, based on what we've been seeing out of Danny Ainge so far as their new uh, chief executive of basketball operations. So I would like to see him land somewhere, if nowhere else, at least the Jazz. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm behind IT all, all day. So what, I, I'm, I'm in his camp. Yeah. And of course, you know, 
if you're listening to the Celtics Lab podcast, you know what Isaiah Thomas meant to the city and to the team. He truly was the guy who revived Celtics pride. And there was, I, I cannot think of many seasons where one player for the Celtics was as incandescent as Isaiah Thomas was during his lone all-star season, second team all-NBA leading scorer for the Boston Celtics, genuine threat to win the scoring title at one point, which is crazy. And, you know, I mean, he made it to the Eastern Conference Finals despite suffering through physical injury and unimaginable tragedy, and he did so in pretty epic fashion. I mean, he had 52 points in a closeout game against the Wizards. That game is one of the most heroic games I've ever seen by any player in my whole entire life. Just an incredible individual performance, and one where, you know, he was clearly hurt playing in that series and beforehand like he was not doing well too yeah Yeah. to to summon that level of performance in a moment like that that's stuff that only a very small list of nba players is able to do uh isaiah if you hear this by any chance we would love to have you on the celtics lab feel free to come on anytime because we still love you bust up his hip I, i don't make that trade yep I think that's I think that's reasonable, and I, I I wouldn't be shocked if you know Danny Ainge felt the same way. Obviously, Isaiah did bust up his hip, and that is perhaps partially and that. And, and uh, the shame of it is that's that. The shame of it is that's that, and you know we would be remiss if we didn't say that the Celtics, frankly, probably bear some responsibility for that with the way that they if played. You noticed it. very soon after that series, longtime trainer Ed Lissert, Brian Dew, gone. Yeah, may not be may not be connected. I don't know personally. I'm not reporting that, but the, the timing is very interesting. I think one of the kind of one of the reasons that I think you can argue by the end of last season, Danny Ainge probably had to leave the Boston Celtics organization for them to continue, is because of how the Isaiah Thomas trade uh, and the Isaiah Thomas situation was handled. I mean, it really is a sliding doors moment. And I would, I would say that, you know, Ainge probably made the move that was sensible for just about any other GM in the league in trading Isaiah for Kyrie Irving in that situation. But it was pretty clear that the way that he handled that had an adverse effect on the reputation of the Celtics front office around the league. Anyway. There you go. <laughs> Keeping it moving for other unsigned Celtics who are former Celtics who are still out there. We've got uh, names like Ryan Artadiakono, who was briefly on the main Celtics. And there was a chance that he was going to get called up, I thought. But he is still kicking around, waiting for his next NBA contract. Chris Dunn, who has been traded, I believe, 19 times in the past year alone or something like that. Right uh, of the was, Providence Friars. Correct. Was on the Celtics mostly as a salary filler slot, and that was really about it. Um, Greg Monroe, a signing that I was incredibly excited about at the time, turns out uh, didn't have a ton of reason to be excited about that as he got cooked virtually every minute that he was on the floor for the Boston Celtics, but still a fun player. Uh, Matt Ryan, who at one point was pretty close, I think, to making the Celtics roster. Uh, He had a pretty good summer league, but it appears that they are going to move forward with the current roster and probably not sign Matt Ryan. I think Matt Ryan could play for an NBA team as it currently stands. Good quarterback, too. Good quarterback. Yeah. uh, You know, (laughs) Indianapolis Colts, I'm not too fond of, but that's just me. Um, Yeah, I think Ryan could make a roster spot. Um, We have, of course, Dennis Schroeder, who was on the Celtics for the first half of last season. A player who I think is actually still a pretty decent NBA player, but was just not a particularly great fit on that Celtics roster. And to be fair, that's when the season turned around. Yeah, it's true. When no, when I when uh, like no Schre- more, same thing. When Schroeder was dealt, among other things, for Derek White, who's a, just a gigantic upgrade, uh, and Daniel Tice, um, it was pretty clear that the Celtics had replaced those minutes with a much stronger player. A um, couple others. Let's see. Tristan Thompson, who is still kicking around the league. There is murmurs that Tristan Thompson could be headed to Brooklyn fairly soon, which I, for one, would be fine with, given how Tristan Thompson's tenure as a Boston Celtic went. Um, I think he, I, I want to give him some credit. He was a little bit better than I think people thought he was. He was but serviceable. 
Absolutely. He, he was serviceable, but he was also He's a guy. Far he wouldn't pass it out of the post, but he right. was good at getting it there and then missing and then getting it again. Oh, he's a guy. Yeah. <laughs> Two other guys that we wanted to just briefly mention. I'll take the next one and then I'll swing it to you, Josh, for our last. Um, of course, Rajan Rondo, the legendary Celtics point guard from 2006 up until 2014 when he was traded to the Dallas Mavericks in a incredibly upsetting move for Rick Carlisle, among other people. Um, Rondo is still kicking around the league. He was last seen, I believe, with the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, where he briefly played backup point guard to Darius Garland. Um, last year seemed a little dicey for him, but I mean, I think you, I, you guys can disagree with me, but for me, Rondo is far and away the best Celtics point guard of the modern era. Isaiah had an incredible singular season, but when Rondo was on the Celtics, basically from the time that Garnett got there until he was traded, he performed. Wait, am I at- that old? What's the modern era? <laughs> I'm, I'm talking like you know the the post the we're we're talking like Paul Pearson onwards okay. modern era yeah and not I think, the modern era by consensus but we'll we'll let it slide yeah. <laughs> yeah regardless Rondo was incredible as the Boston Celtics point guard I mean people don't people who are not as old as us um, probably don't quite have an understanding of just how good this guy was but. When in, from the span of like 2011 to 2013, Rondo had a genuine argument for like, I am a top three point guard in the game right now. And he was going toe to toe with LeBron James in the Eastern Conference Finals. It was a really impressive thing to watch. And, you know, it, it's kind of interesting because obviously he modified his game a little bit later in his career to stick around. He became a much better shooter than he was uh, on the Celtics. But Rondo in some ways was kind of the last great point guard who didn't really shoot at, at any meaningful point during his prime. Like he could hit an outside jumper every now and then. He wasn't afraid to take shots like some point guards who have similar play styles might be. Um, but he didn't he didn't really feature the jumper in any meaningful sense he made almost everything happen with just passing vision speed uh you know footwork and it it's it was a really wild watch for me as a fan just like seeing this guy be able to tear up like that no fantastic they don't he he was the that was the big three and we all know it was the big four and, yeah. and rondo was the fourth they don't win it without him Definitely not. I think that's, and it's interesting because, you know, Rondo was young and pretty untested when he won his, his first championship ring uh, as a member of the Boston Celtics. And in many ways that playoffs was kind of a coming out party for him. Interesting given that Doc Rivers is notorious for not trusting young untested players in situations like that one, but he made an exception for Rondo. JQ further thoughts on Rondo. Um, One more. So, oh, JQ, <laughs> I used to be Josh Q. Public in a different life. <laughs> but when I hit JQ, I hit. That's, that's good to know. <laughs> we'll swing so it back I, to you. When I hit JQ, sorry, sorry, <laughs> Justin, again. No problem. I mean, the only thing I have to add to that is I really hope that whatever allegations that have been floating around about him, uh, I won't get into them here in the interest of keeping things timely, uh, prove to be untrue. They're pretty shocking. Yeah, it's true. Rondo's off-the-court presence has left quite a bit to be desired um of course we should mention that he also won a title with our hated arch rival the los angeles lakers and i would argue was probably the third best player on that team behind lebron and anthony davis but uh yeah it's true uh his his off the court presence has been a little dicey josh we're going to swing it to you for the last member of the unsigned celtics who are still kicking around the league uh you want to take us through what Avery Bradley is doing and uh, what he meant to you as a player. So he's 31 years old, unsigned. And to me, it's shocking that he's unsigned. Maybe not with the Lakers. I thought that was a great fit. But now with Beverly, we'll we'll see what happens with Westbrook and we'll see if what happens there. But at this point, I might even want Avery Bradley over Beverly. I might even say he's a better defender than Beverly. Hmm. Okay. I mean, he's Let been me on the two. I think he's cooked, but that's just me. <laughs> he might be. 
But I trust him. I don't know if I trust Beverly. You know, Avery Bradley made himself better every year. He came in as a defender. He came, he turned himself into a serviceable three-point shooter. King of the back cut. Nobody moved without the ball better than him, right? Um, Here's a fun fact. He was in the McDonald's All-American team, won the slam dunk contest. Not bad. Mason Plumley was in that one, Derek Favors. So, I mean, I had a friend who was an actor, and he always said, nobody comes from nowhere. <laughs> you know, what he, he met actors like, oh, I saw this guy in Law & Order. Same thing. They, you know, Avery Bradley didn't come from any. He was one of the fourth best high school players. He played at Texas. Um, I think he will be signed. I think he should be signed. And I think he goes in that camp with Phil Pressey. If he's not, he'll coach somewhere. I think you're probably right that I, I would say at least by midseason, there's a good chance that Avery Bradley is back in the league. He was briefly in the Golden State Warriors team. Um, he was in training camp and notably cut to the chagrin of Steph Curry and Draymond Green, who very much wanted him to be a part of their team. Now, it ended up working out for them as they won the NBA finals. So I think the Warriors are going to be okay. But it is interesting that Steph and Draymond, two of the best NBA players that we currently have, were in pretty unanimous agreement that Avery Bradley still has a place in the league. And I would and speaking be- of which, Jawan Johnson won player of the year over Draymond Green. Ah, that's a fun little trivia. Good to know. Of course, Avery Bradley, much like Rajan Rondo, also has some off-the-court stuff that is a little bit dicey that we probably uh, should save for another podcast. But at the same time, I think there's a reasonable chance that he will get back into the league. Any final thoughts before we move into the news on former players in Boston's orbit that we want to chat about? Well, we did mention a very good segue, which is this whole Pat Bev thing to the Lakers. I mean, do we think that they're making good decisions in Los Angeles now? Hope not. Josh, I'm going to swing <laughs> that to you first. I have my thoughts on Patrick no, Beverly I, in LA. I, but... I don't know. I don't know because here's what I – I think LeBron's running the Lakers. That's what I think. And I don't know if he cares about winning anymore. Hmm. I disagree. I think LeBron was running the Lakers. I think oh. you're right that he doesn't care about that anymore. I think that we are starting to see a bit of a pushback in the whole, shall we call it, the super superstar player empowerment, because it sure as heck is not, you know, your mid-range and your lower level player empowerment era. Uh, thankfully for another guy that we will talk about shortly, kind of really, a couple of guys really that we'll talk about in a little bit uh, over in Brooklyn. And I think that they are finally starting to make some pretty smart moves. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league last season. And this is, you know, Pat Bev is not the Pat Bev of old, but he's still a good defender. And he's he's in the right age range, in the right uh, contract, mentality, everything to fit on this Lakers team. And unlike you, Josh, I actually like it when the Lakers are good as long as the Celtics are also good because how awesome would it be if they did, you know, move on from Westbrook, bring in some of those other guys, which we all have to admit is not probably going to be the best team, but maybe they can find some magic, get back to the finals. And if the Celtics also got back to the finals, we won Benner 18 against LeBron. How awesome would that be? Of course. Of course. I'm going to zag a little bit on the LeBron doesn't care about winning take anymore. I think the Pat Bev move is an indication that LeBron does want to have a competitive roster, that they are pretty motivated to get back to the finals. I think that the Lakers are in an awkward position where with Russell Westbrook's contract and their incredibly limited pick uh, set up, they really don't have a lot of moves that they can make to get back to that level. I do think that this was an easy buy low opportunity for Patrick Beverly. I mean, what they gave up Taylor Horton Tucker, a guy who I, I don't know. I don't think he's ever going to be an be impactful NBA yeah. player and Stanley Maybe Johnson. Just get young. That's yeah. I, I think that's a pretty clear win from a transaction standpoint to get Patrick Beverly, who is, I think still a pretty quality role player uh, for them. Ironically, Patrick Beverly is also now the Lakers best three point shooter, which is not great for them, <laughs> but uh, I digress. I, I think well, the, it's a I'm good sorry. move. 
No, I, LeBron, I, I was, LeBron is the offensive point guard. Bev is a defensive point guard. And yeah. that's how that's going to go. That's definitely, I think, a, the right way of looking at it. That Pat, Pat Bev's job is to hit corner threes and to defend the best guard on the other team. Yep. He's still very good at both of those things for the most part. Um, and I just, I again, the salary is not that much. He's a winning player. I think LeBron likes playing with Pat Bev. And I think overall, it's it's a good move for them. I think that the most interesting thing about the Pat Bev move to me is that um, it's going to be really hard to have Patrick Beverly and Russell Westbrook on the same team. Uh, and it indicates to me that Russell Westbrook might not be long for this world as a Los Angeles Laker. But I agree. I don't think Westbrook likes them. Yeah, no, Boom. those guys, those guys do not <laughs> like each other. Not to, be, to, be, to, right, right, to be tame about it, I don't think he like. But I, I like Beverly. He just plays angry. Yeah, <laughs> he plays angry. he's the guy you I love like on your that. team and hate on, on you know, when, when he's facing you. Danny Ainge. Yep. There will be some fireworks when the Lakers and Celtics square off between Marcus Smart and Patrick Beverly. Of that, I have very little doubt. Um. Moving on in the news segment, we have a couple other things that we want to talk about here. Um, swinging it back to Brooklyn for a second, the biggest news in the NBA's recent days is that Kevin Durant has apparently rescinded his earlier trade request from the Brooklyn Nets and appears to be ready to suit up for them for the coming season. Um, so I'm going to swing it to you first, Josh. Are we surprised that Kevin Durant has backed off his trade request? I'd like to, I don't know if he's backed off his trade request. I don't think he got a suitor. So, you know, so the Celtics gave a deal. They didn't want it. It wasn't enough. I don't think it's because he's backed off. I don't think he wants to be there. There's, but, no, there's no deal out there that's going to make everybody right. happy. It's just I would have done the first one. I would have done the first Derek, Derek, I mean, uh, White and you wouldn't have. I would have done the White and Jalen for Durant. I would have. But after that. unreasonable, but I wouldn't have personally. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, and that's fine. But but, but that was it. That was the best deal they had. So I don't know. If they even had it. If they even had it. Because according to, uh, uh, you know, according to Brad, they didn't have it. So. Yeah. And of course, that's referencing Adam Himmelsbach's piece for the Boston Globe, yeah. um, in which we reiterate that uh, Brad Stevens, and, the, and also uh, from an interview that Brad Stevens did, in which they reiterated pretty strongly that um, Boston, after the Malcolm Brogdon trade, had moved on. And that lines up actually with the Shams report that if they had made the offer from Derek White, Jalen Brown, and a first round pick prior to making the Brogdon trade, Brooklyn kind of holds with that as the de facto leading offer and then keeps on spinning that story for the entirety of the summer, even though it's pretty clear, according to Brad Stevens, that after they traded for Brogdon, their plans had moved on. Um, so also just think a little news more... for the Celtics that he doesn't go anywhere. Yeah. We, go, we, don't, I... we don't want him on Philly. We don't want, you know, we don't it's want the him best on Miami. outcome for us. Yeah. There's right, a lot. Right, to... right. We don't want him on Miami. Uh, best of these days there, yeah. you know. Lots of baked in yeah. disaster potential. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, you know, it's like you said, I think there's a possibility, of course, that Kevin Durant is not going to finish his career on the Brooklyn Nets. Let's put it that way. You know, these things are fluid and they take time. But um, there's a chance that the trade request has only been temporarily rescinded. You know, teams like the Memphis Grizzlies were reported to be interested. Obviously, the Phoenix Suns were interested at one point. Um, probably logistically complicated for them. I don't think Miami's interest has stopped. Yeah. Um, just really quickly, kind of before we move on to our final topic, does this change anything in the Eastern Conference for us, bringing Kevin Durant back and presumably Kyrie Irving and just kind of running this Brooklyn squad back with presumably a healthy Ben Simmons? They're tough. There's no question. We were scared last year. I'm scared this year. Healthy, they won't be a playing team. They'll be better than that. The question is, how good is the chemistry? Does Ben Simmons suit up? If he does, how does he fit? He's not an easy guy to fit. So wait and see. But I, I expect them to be one of the better playoff teams by the end of the season. Sure. 
I think they'll be pretty good. I still think they haven't meaningfully addressed their biggest issue, which has nothing to do with Kevin Durant and everything to do with that they can't get consistent good center play, um, which really, really hurt them against the Celtics in the playoffs last year. You know, Daniel Tice was able to stay on the floor for a lot of that series and Al Horford kind of worked their front court. Um, so I think they'll be fine. I don't think they'll be great, but I don't think they'll be bad either. Um, obviously the Celtics angle on this is that the biggest concern now is that Jalen Brown has heard a lot about his name being bandied in trade talks. And there's some concern that this might affect his morale as a member of the Boston Celtics going forward. Obviously, this is not the first time that a notable star Celtics player has been mentioned in trade rumors. This happens all the time, most notably with Ray Allen uh, back in the day, who eventually left the Celtics because of that in part. Is this any different from the Ray situation, fellas? Yes, because Ray was actually traded. They, they told him to pack his stuff, tell his family, all that good stuff. I think it was for OJ Mayo, right? Oh man, I don't yeah. even know. Even That's the case, man. But I mean, it was disaster. basically completed, and then it fell apart at the very last second. And I don't think that those situations are comparable because the Celtics, at that point, were on the downturn. I mean, they, we didn't know it at the time, but like between injuries, I mean, you can see the look in Allen's face uh, after the Knicks uh, eliminated them. It was. A combination of things so it wasn't just that he had been dangled in trade talks but it was definitely part of it yeah i don't know i mean i think all the reporting that we've gotten from you know both on the celtics lab and then other stuff like that is uh that jalen seems to be pretty happy with the situation in boston as long as he gets i think paid the amount that he expects to be paid which is a max contract uh let's let's not beat around the bush if he gets the money yeah if he gets the money that he deserves then i think jalen will be in boston for the foreseeable future i think it's a nothing burger i think he's fine i think that's right all right so last topic and then we'll head out of here um jason tatum recently mentioned that he played with a wrist fracture during the playoffs uh particularly in the finals in an interview with taylor rooks of bleacher report um, and this is notable because Jason Tatum appears to be all right, having played in the crossover Pro-Am League, in which he had 20 points and two assists, one of which was a filthy highlight alley-oop to LeBron James. Sick. Of course, that Pro-Am game was shut down due to unsafe court conditions, and it has led to the most notable news to come out of that, which is that number two overall pick, Chet Holmgren, is out for the season with a right foot list frank injury, which is a disastrous outcome for the Oklahoma City Thunder. Any thoughts on Chet going down before he's even played a single NBA game? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's all, if you're OKC, it's awful, <laughs> right? Yeah. Uh, no, he was the guy. I mean, I think he was everybody's guy. And the, and we, I'm, I'm trying to think of, like, I'm thinking Odin, maybe. I'm trying to think who else is like that, where you thought, I, to be honest, I thought Odin was better than Durant. I was wrong. Yeah. I, I so, was wrong. But I yes. thought, you know, but when, when that happens, it's, it's I don't want to say Lenny Bias, but when, when that stuff happens – it's just your team. That's it. So what do you do? What's your recourse? Exactly what they're doing, which is the same thing that the Philadelphia 76ers did. It wasn't a list Frank injury, right? But mm-hmm. when, when the Philadelphia 76ers dropped Joel Embiid, he lost an entire year to a foot injury, which mm-hmm. is what you need to do. Because while it's a myth, and this is what Cam was alluding to earlier with a big man comment. It's a myth that big men are, you know, particularly short lived or that they are injured more than any other players. But once they start to get injured it is hard for them to stay healthy. If they don't heal it all the way, like completely because of the mechanics and size of their body doesn't yeah, cause them to get more injured, but it does create that pattern of repeat injuries. 
Yeah. I just, I feel crappy because I really wanted to watch Chet play. You know, he's got a really entertaining game. A seven foot two point guard is awesome. That's just a really cool, weird thing. And I was excited for OKC to run out some strange lineups. I didn't think they were going to be particularly great, but it would have been fun to watch. Regardless, Mr. Holmgren, we wish you well, and we hope you have a healthy recovery and come back full strength for next season with a potentially very high lottery pick as your teammate as well. Will um, he ever be good again? Will, okay, man, that's such a hard question. Sam Presti has so many picks. I, no, like they, no, <laughs> I just think of Russ and Durant, and it, it, it hurt. It, like, when, when, you're a, when you're a fan, that's what you want, Russ and Westbrook. That, and then in Ibaka and those in Harden. And then when that, when that falls apart, yeah, I think this was I the season they were going to start. OKC fan right now. Yeah, I think this the plan was for this season to be good. Yeah, at the end of the season, so it's set back another season. Yeah, we'll see. I mean, our our friend Sam Presti of Emerson College has got a lot of work to do to get this OKC team back to the mountaintop, but. That's all that we've got here today at the Celtics Lab. Before we head out, I want to give a big thanks, of course, to our guest, Josh, otherwise known as Honest Larry, who you can find on Twitter, posting vintage Celtics highlight clips and wishing people various happy birthdays. Josh, anything you want to plug before we head out? Yes, I do. I want to plug the Belmont Watertown football game at Fenway Park um, Wednesday before Thanksgiving. I'll be there. Uh, I can't wait. All right, folks. That's going to be cool. Yeah, no. If you're uh, if you're in the Watertown, Belmont area, go uh, hang out with Josh and let him fill your head with deep cuts from Celtics history. And thank you guys. You guys are the best. I can't I, I can't say it enough how great you guys are. We love having you on, man. You keep my history uh, post afloat. Thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's all we've got for today. Tune in to another Celtics Lab uh, coming to you next week. Please make sure to like, subscribe, and follow on all social and podcast streaming places. Thank you very much for listening, 